Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Not the most eventful off-season so far, fam, but we are here to break it down, we are here to give you our takes. It is time for another one of these great podcasts. We have a jam-packed show for you today, even in these uh, less-than-eventful times, so let's just get right to it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I don't know why I expected that Flyers fans would be more chill once the team was actually good, but you guys are, uh, you have no chill at all whatsoever, and I really want you to get some because sports are supposed to be fun, and you're all losing your minds about nothing. The team is good, and when your team is good, you don't really have to go out and go crazy on free agency day one and spend a bunch of money on the big names. Like You can chill a little bit and try to figure it out as the offseason goes on. So everything's fine. Chuck didn't blow it. The team is good. Settle down. Thank you. I can, I sympathize a bit. No. Because, like, we were stuck in nothing land for so long, and it was, it was intentional. Yeah, like, the Hextall plan, it worked. It certainly is, he built something. But we thought when we were good again, that would mean, all right, time to get back to being the fun flyers too. And that, I know we've talked in the past, like they weren't always that team, but they were more than this, like completely non-active Eric Gustafson being the biggest addition to a team we think can compete for a cup with a few tweaks. I, I, I sympathize a bit. Well, that's the thing. You just said it with a few tweaks. Like, they don't need to go out and rebuild the team on free agency day one. So it's fine that they didn't. It's a good thing that they don't need to in order to be a competitive team. I appreciate appreciate that Fletcher is not overreacting to what he saw in the bubble and looking at his team and going, we're good. I just wish there was a little bit more... Man, we're close to great. How do we get there? Yeah, I, I do think that, and this is something that I, I thought about a lot um, in the, the second half and then into the bubble, um, there maybe was a little bit of, because things were so dark for so long, that there was a little bit in the fan base of, well, we're going to have to go through all this bullshit and the rebuild is annoying and you know, the team's frustrating and bad and all that other stuff. But like when we come out clean on the other side, then we're just going to win all the time. And not just win on the ice, but, like, win everything. That, like, we're going to get all of the fun because we dealt with all of the bullshit. And I remember thinking, like, what's this fan base going to do when the team is objectively good and then they lose in the playoffs three straight years because, like, every team except one loses in the playoffs? Like, people are going to lose their minds because they're going to be like— Like, I just—I don't know if the Fly- if Flyers fans are quite ready for the possibility of, like, the Flyers being— 
actually good, but not cup winning good. And I'm I think what we're seeing this summer is the reaction to that, which is, you know, we have to make big changes because we lost in the playoffs. And like, okay, maybe, but also, you know, right now there's 30 teams that don't win the cup. Right now there's 15 teams that make the playoffs and don't win the cup. So like if every year that doesn't happen, you're going to lose your mind. You're not going to be building a good team. So I, while I understand the feeling of like, I want the team to be fun again and, and sitting around doing nothing in free agency is not fun. Like we're not always going to be fun. And we have to accept the fact that like being a good team is kind of the first step to winning a cup. I don't know if any of that made sense, but I guess my point is, is that like, like, just because they lost in the playoffs does not mean the world is fucking falling apart and that everything needs to be changed because Claude Drew will never be good in the playoffs again and Jake Voracek is terrible. And, like, just let's not fall back on the, like, actually everything is bad because the team lost in the playoffs because 15 teams lose in the playoffs. Like, get used to it. Yeah. Most likely, Chill. we're going to lose in the playoffs a lot. Hopefully, one of these years we win a cup. But, like, most teams lose in the playoffs. And that was from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Chuck, before you do your before you do your bit, I just want to respond to that and say, like, had they won the Stanley Cup, people would react exactly the same to this <laughs> offseason. Like, oh, we got Ghost and, Vo- and, and, and JVR. We got to move these guys so we can build a dynasty. I don't know what the fuck Chuck's doing. Like, I know I'd be saying that. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's that's exactly what would it, people are going to overreact now that everyone who's like, oh, my God, they're already stuck in mediocrity again. Like, oh, my God, do you enjoy it when the sun comes up in the morning? I don't <laughs> nope. think you do. Nope. But like, I, I, I do see people's frustration a bit and we're going to get into what they have and haven't done during the show. But take it away, Charlie. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, we will miss you, Tyler Pitlick. Real good player. You know, real. F- I-, I enjoyed watching him this year. Uh, I don't think a lot of people had particularly high expectations for him coming off of that, uh, the Ryan Hartman trade, which was already, you know, something that kind of pissed fans off because they got Ryan Hartman back for Wayne Simmons. So it was like, oh, you turn Wayne Simmons into Tyler Pitlick. Pitlick was really good for them. I mean, he was good in his role. He wasn't a superstar by any means, but he was a useful player. You know, he did his job, and the Flyers, you know, they probably could have fit him under the cap, but I guess they, their, their thought process is we got all these young kids. We don't want him blocking a kid. I get it. You know, it would have been nice to have him back. I don't have a problem with the fact that they let him go, um, but he was a useful player and he did everything he was supposed to do and, you know, have fun in the in the desert in Arizona for as long as Arizona continues to have a team. Hopefully it works out for you. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like what we it's a little bit like what we talked about last week like I like Tyler Pitlick uh, if he had stayed healthy this year I think he would have made an even bigger impact in uh for the team and made a bigger impression on people but uh, he could play for my team you know it's just a question of that sort of investment like we talked about last week if we have all these Aubay Cubell types and they're on entry level deals like this is why you draft those guys. Get You need that sort of interchangeable uh, bottom six piece. And if you're going to pay him, you know, a million, two million, whatever, it's like, is that really sh- where we should be investing? I like the guy, but at the end of the day, what, are you going to keep everybody? It isn't a team that won the cup. He is kind of, you know, an interchangeable piece. So it is what it is. See you later. I enjoyed watching you for a little bit. Tough guy, though. I liked him. 
But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So, uh, has anyone else heard that the Flyers' interest is tall? Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, I was so disconnected last week. Like, I, I don't even know how we did a show last Wednesday, honestly. Like, thank you, guys. That helped. Uh, I have, I, I just, like, have been trying to log on here and there and see what the hell's going on. And I just see that. And, it like, it's Eklund, and I only follow him for, like, laughs cause, so I can quote tweet it and get a bunch of likes. Because that's, <laughs> you know, what what the fuck else would you follow him for? Uh but, like, you see that, and it's just like, what does that mean? That means nothing. It was just, okay, so I, I want to go on a little bit of a rant here, and this is specifically directed Ooh. at Eklund. Like, it's so freaking transparent what he does. Like, what happened in that situation was David Pagnotta with the fourth period tweeted out that the Flyers were close on a UFA. Eklund almost certainly has no information. None. Like, zero. There's no one talking to him source-wise. So he sees that, and he figures, well, I might as well guess. I might as well <laughs> guess as to which defenseman it is the Flyers are about to sign. Because if I'm wrong, no one's going to remember it. And if I'm right, I'm going to be able to brag about how I was right. So he throws a tweet out there like that, which my read was that he was implying that the Flyers might be surprisingly in on Zidane Chara. That's what I thought, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And, like, the— like. The fact that we're talking about this is probably more than anyone is talking about it because you just forget. Like That's what the way it is with a lot of these rumor-type accounts is that they throw so many ideas out there that when they're wrong, it's forgotten. And then when they're right, they can be like, I was right. And Eklund is the best at it. And by the best, I mean like the craziest because he's probably just (laughs) been doing it for so damn long. Like, it was so transparent that... 30 seconds after Pagnata makes that tweet, Eklund sees that tweet and is like, I'm going to throw something out there because, you know, I got to get something out there and act like I'm actually an insider. So he throws something out there that was, in my mind, I, I mean, I can't confirm this. I'm not buddies with Eklund. But, like, it was almost certainly completely made up and just him throwing a dart at a dartboard being like, well, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm right. It'll be fun if I'm right. Like, this is just what <laughs> this is what happens. And it's like, ugh, you just get, like, like... How do people not see this? <laughs> Love an insider. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Charlie, I don't think you need to be buddies with him to know exactly what happened. <laughs> like, I think you nailed it pretty much right there. Uh, I will say, like, I did, I did notice some of the moves that were made outside of Flyerland over uh, over the weekend and whatnot. Um, you know, Brandon Sod. I, I don't know. He's a pretty good player. Would have liked him, but it's not like the Flyers are short on left wingers. Devon Taves, like, pretty nice defenseman, youngish. Uh, I don't know if he fits exactly what they're looking for, though. When I see that, like, the Blackhawks are making selling moves, though, and Jonathan Taves is like, I don't know about what the franchise is doing, this is kind of bullshit, and then I see a Taves is getting traded... Without being, like, completely plugged in, I started to get real, real excited about, like, John Taves hitting the market and, like, started coming up with all these crazy hypotheticals in my head because he's tangibly and intangibly exactly, like, more so what the Flyers need than, I I don't know. I just got excited about that, and I wanted to throw this out there at you just to make everyone listening mad. (laughs) 
Ghost, Patrick, Frost, and York for John Taves. What do you say? I said before the show that I was with you until we got to York because I prefer that all of my trades are the Flyers giving up things that I don't want anymore for something that I do want. <laughs> and I still want Cam York. So. Oh, you know what? They do have a third-round pick now because the draft happens. So yeah, they just, do have their third. We can always get that just, in there. Just throw the third in there. I... Bill, like these, these are the kind of trades. Like, like people. It's too early for Charlie. No, it's just like, and like, it's such a ridiculous trade. Like people, people will do this, and you are absolutely one of them. They just like throw out these like you know word salads worth of trade package ideas, and they're like, do you think they would accept this? It's like I don't know. Like, the Flyers' these, interest is captain. Like it's so un- <laughs> it's so unrealistic on both sides. That, yes, like, completely. Like, like that's the, that's the kind of trade that if you if you showed that that trade to uh, to Stan Bowman, the GM of the Blackhawks, <laughs> and then to Chuck Fletcher, GM of the Flyers, they both would probably just look at you like, what the fuck? Like not well, even I mean, like not not even like a you know like is this a good trade? Is this a bad trade? But more like a we would never even discuss this because it's so <laughs> batshit insane. Charlie, if I was showing them trades, they'd be like, get this fucking guy out of my office. Who are you? Oh, I'd be drug out by security for breaking in their practice facilities. Like, there, it's it's so rare when you have, like, I know. like an, an eight-piece trade where, like, you know, one team's giving up five pieces, the other team's giving up three. Like, and, and I think part of the reason why, because this is a, a trick I've learned in fantasy football, is that, like, the more complex you make a trade, the more likely you are to screw over the other team because mm-hmm. there just becomes so many pieces in the deal that people stop like thinking in terms of value. They start thinking in terms of like, well, there's a lot of shiny pieces that I like. I might as well take that trade. Like, and there, there's a reason why most NHL trades and most sports trades are one for one, two for one, maybe three for one at most. Like, it's because. Com- complexity just adds so many freaking variables to it that GMs just would rather do it like the normal way. Frady cats. If you put together enough bad players, you should be able to get one good player back. <laughs> yeah, I keep should trying to flip. Way. I keep trying to flip Deshaun Jackson into something in my fantasy league, and it just ain't happening. <laughs> All right. So since our last show, uh, the Flyers. Haven't done much. Uh, it's been a quiet offseason so far. They didn't make a major draft day trade. They did move up uh, in the mid-rounds for a couple of guys. And, yeah, that's cool uh, if they had a target for on a player rather than just uh, go for volume like they have in the past. They were like, fuck it. We like these guys. We're drafting them. Zaid Wisdom seems awesome. Uh, email Andre looks like a nice player. Tyson Forster, I like his name. That's a good hockey name. Uh, but... Like, I know that they haven't had any of the big signings, but even, like, in terms of mid-level action here, like, the other Eric Gustafson and and Derek Pouliot, like, I don't know. Let's start with Eric Gustafson, because that's kind of, that's, that's, the, that's the headliner here, I guess, over the last, over the last couple days. One year, $3 million. Is, this is a nice little move, right? Yeah, I like it. It's like a low pressure, no commitment. They needed a defenseman. He says that he's comfortable playing on the right side. So, you know, maybe they fixed a problem. It's a good value signing. I mean, Mm -hmm. the guy, you know, 
not this year, but the year before, at a 60-point season. Now, granted, that's probably, you know, not something he's going to replicate, but you don't luck into a 60-point season. You have to be pretty good to rack up those, those kind of numbers, especially when you're a defenseman. Um, so he's good. And, you know, I'm of the opinion, generally speaking, that there's really no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You know, the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out, and then you cut bait at the end of the year, or maybe you, you dump them at the deadline to somebody else who, who likes the, the skill set and, you know, wants to take a shot on a puck mover. So... As a value signing, it's fine. You know, I have no issues with it. The interesting thing for me is just I'm not exactly sure where he fits in the lineup. And we haven't talked to Chuck Fletcher yet since the signing, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Chuck Fletcher doesn't even exactly know where he fits in the lineup. <laughs> that this was more of a, you know, I like the player. I like the value. Let's just get him. And then let the coaches figure out where he fits. You know, I don't think he's a first pair defenseman. I don't think this is a Matt Niskanen replacement just because he's not particularly good defensively. I don't think I want him on the top pair, even if he can play the right side. But, like, could he be on the second pair? Maybe. Could he be on the third pair? Maybe. Like, we don't know. And it's... It's always easier with a signing when you get him and you're like, I know exactly where this guy fits. I don't know exactly where Eric Gustafson fits. I know he's a pretty good player, and that's cool, and it's a reasonable price, but it's not like this is just a plug-in and play. They're going to need to figure out exactly what they want to do with him when this season finally actually gets started. And yeah, I don't and think I, that's a bad thing. No, I don't, I don't think it's bad either. I think competition is good, and I, like— We've been talking about adding this top pair defenseman to play with Provorov. All right, if they can get somebody. Like, you know, we, we all said we thought maybe that bullshit tweet was about Zdeno Chara. Like, hmm. I'm a big Chara fan. I don't know if I actually want him playing first pair minutes at 45 years old or ever fucking old he is at this point. But, like, okay, you sign Chara. You know you're putting him in your top four. Here you go. Boom, done. Like, with Gustafson... If you just like the player and you don't have a perfect fit otherwise, bring them in and let the players sort it out. Let them all compete in camp. It's not like Sanheim had some fucking all-star season. It's not like Myers can't be better. Not like Haig can't be better. Not like Ghost can't be better. Every single guy on this blue line, with the exception of Provorov, can be bumped up or down depending on how they perform. So if you don't have that perfect fit, Eric Gustafson, here you go. You get a chance to play second pair minutes, play third pair minutes. I like it. Do, do I think this makes the team a cup contender? Boom, we got our guy. No, I don't think so, but I, I glad, I'm glad they signed him. Certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah, I did find it funny, though, that, like, <laughs> this is just, I don't want this to be, like, beat up on Flyers fans on Twitter, uh, the, the beat up on Flyers fans on Twitter show, but I did find it funny that, like, all day on Monday, you know, in the wake of the Flyers doing nothing, really, over the weekend, it was, just sign somebody, and then they signed somebody, it was, well, not that somebody. <laughs> oh, I, I seriously, this is... Uh, like, of all the players they could have signed, yeah, I would really love, like, a big-name veteran like uh, like a Chara or a Joe Thornton or something stupid like that, because that would be fun. Um, but outside of that, the guy who half the, the fan base thinks is a guy we gave away for nothing, <laughs> and he's actually a totally different person, that's pretty funny to me. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty big fan of this one. Uh, I was on the Gus bus back in the day. I'm happy to get that thing repainted, change the oil, get her going again. It's basically, uh, it's basically the same bus. 
It is the same bus. No different. Everyone but, that had a jersey, maybe he'll wear the same number. To Charlie's All of those point, send jerseys out there. To Charlie's point about the sixty-point season, uh, he did that on a uh, eighty-four-point, uh, you know, sixth-place Blackhawks team. I call that Kyle Calder syndrome. <laughs> Somebody has to score. Nobody gets shut out every night, so he's probably more of like a 30 to 40 point guy, but on a team where it doesn't matter, so he can just play offense. Like, yeah, he put up 60 points. Way to go. Uh, <clears throat> what do you like? Does he improve the blue line? I, I mean, he's better than Robert Haig. So if we go into training camp as a competition for who's going to make up the six defensemen on the, on the team, um, yeah, I don't see how he doesn't improve the team because he's going to beat out whoever our six was last season for the most part. So it's going to be better, without question. In the, oh, go ahead, Charlie. No, I, I, think, uh, I think in terms of just adding more talent to the blue line, it helps yeah. the team. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, okay, what's the depth chart? You know, who are your six defensemen? But the fact of the matter is, is that, Teams use seven defensemen, eight defensemen, even nine defensemen over the course of a season. Guys get hurt. You know, guys get hurt. Guys get benched. Things happen. And there is an element of it's just good to get talent in here. And Gustafson is talented. I mean, he had a bad year last year. His defensive issues, which have always been a problem, uh, really dragged down his numbers, um, didn't score as much and whatnot. So, like, he's a bit of a reclamation project without a doubt. But, you know, just the year before that, he was good. And then the years before that, in a sheltered third pair role, he was really good by the numbers. So there's something there. Um, now, the fit is, is interesting because the big thing is, is that Shane Gossespierre is still here. So the, that, that's really the, the complex part of this, which is, you know, what is Eric Gustafson as a player? If you had to describe it, Eric Gustafson is an offensive defenseman who is good on the power play gets a lot of his value on the power play, who has his issues defensively and probably is best served starting out the season on a sheltered third pairing because he's coming off of a bad year. Now, you could say those exact same things about Shane Gossespierre. Like, you re replace the name and that's Shane Gossespierre. So you basically have two guys that kind of play the same role. So the question is, you know, is really, like, can they put together a lineup first off to start the year, if everybody's healthy, with Gustafson and Ghost both in the lineup. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they can unless they decide that one of Gustafson or Gossespierre should be in the top four. So if they can't, then all you've really done is turn Ghost into a seven to start the year or signed a guy for $3 million who will start the year as your number seven, and you're basically just flipping them in and out until one of them proves they deserve the job or one of them shows they are playing well enough to get top four minutes. So I think they've improved the talent on the blue line. Had they improved like what I think the game one lineup will look like? I'm not sure. You might've just gotten another ghost. And if you can only play one of those guys at once to start the year, I don't know if the flyers game one lineup is better, but I do think in terms of value added to the team, the defense is better. If that makes sense. So a couple of questions about uh, what this means for the team. One, Charlie kind of got into there, but do you think this makes Gustafson, or do you think this makes Gostaspare more expendable? Like, do you think this means they're trying to move Ghost? I think we've all kind of accepted that 
they are trying to move Ghost, but nobody wants Ghost, so they're not going to trade him for nothing, so he's just going to be here for a while. I mean, they did a really good job devaluing devaluing him in the well, eyes of the rest of the league. So He kind of devalued himself. I mean, fair, but like, you know, if you thought that maybe you might be shopping him, you might have given him a chance to play a little bit of hockey because at this point it's just like, well, the Flyers have thought that he sucked for the last three years, so what the hell do we want him for? Like, I don't know what you're going to get for him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how this is going to end up. Yeah, I'm, I'm iffy on that. Because, like, the idea that, like, you know, blame the Flyers. On one hand, I get it because it's their job to maximize the talent of the guys they have under contract. And Ghost is a talented guy, and clearly they didn't figure out how to make it work, and they deserve criticisms for that. Absolutely. At the same time, you know, we're basically saying the last two years of Shane Goss' Bears tenure haven't been that good. Mm-mm. In 2018-2019, they pretty much just played him. Like, he, was, he pretty much was in the top four. The only thing they really did was pull him off the Proveroff pairing, but that was because that pairing was a dumpster fire to start the year, and I don't know if they had much of a choice. So that, But they kept playing him. It's not like they scratched him in 2018-2019. They kept using him, you know, in top four minutes, at least in terms of volume of minutes. Last year, they played him the ent- pretty much the entire first half of the year. I mean, I think they gave, there was like a couple games before the surgery that he got scratched, but he pretty much was in the top four for most of the year. Until he got surgery, missed time, came back, and he came back to a team that was playing amazing hockey without him. And the fact of the matter is, is that most coaches are just going to stick with what works. You know, I know everybody's going to scream that Robert Haig and Robert Haig and Robert Haig, but like the Flyers were the, arguably the best team in hockey from like the middle of January until the pause. At least they were at least top five. So most coaches are going to be like, why am I going to rock the boat? Teams work and everybody knows their roles. Robert Haig, you know, yeah, he might be getting buried from a play driving standpoint, but we're doing pretty well goals wise when he's on the ice. So why mess with it? Like, I don't think AV, I don't think he should be thinking at that moment, I need to play Shane Gossesbear because we might trade him in the offseason. I don't want to devalue him. He should be thinking, I'm trying to win games. Now, if you want to argue that the Flyers would have been better off with Ghost in over Haig in terms of winning games, that's one thing. But, like, I don't think it's Elaine Vigneault's responsibility to worry about Gossesbear's trade value. Fair. No, it is. Yeah. I don't want him worrying about that. That's... That's the disconnect I like between a front office and a coach, and that's how I know a coach is setting the lineup. Because uh, if he's not, he has no authority, and if the coach has no authority, go get someone else. Uh, I will say, like, w- all right, so we've seen with, with Gustafs Bear, and it, it seems like Gustafson is kind of the same. All right, immense offensive talent, and then has his issues – in, in his own zone. So, okay, let's put him with a good in-zone defender like Haig or Braun. Now we can argue about the Haig, but this is just in theory. Let's say he is a good defender. Um, we've seen that go poorly in terms of a Ghost-Haig pairing. Actually, he doesn't help him with the breakout. It's just now we're stuck in the zone like we thought we would be, and his partner is bad in that zone. So do you think possibly... They could go, instead of a one-dimensional third pair defensively, we have a third pair of Ghost and Gustafson and say, fuck defense, (laughs) we're just going to go one-dimensional on that side of the ice, and then Elaine Vigneault would be my favorite coach ever. Is that at all possible? I'd love it. It would be fun. It'd be fun to try. Let's (laughs) try it out. See what happens. Maybe you lose a couple of games and, like, I was going to say 
October, but time doesn't make sense anymore. So at the start of the season, maybe you throw them out there and see what happens. It's October 14th. I know. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's happening anymore. In my head, it's still March 12th. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard for me to imagine an NHL coach sticking with a Gosses Bear Gustafson third pair. No, never. No, it's not going to happen. That said, I mean, hey, your job is to figure out how to maximize the talent. Like, give it a shot in the preseason game and see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, for funsies. We're talking about uh, Gustafson. We're talking about Gustafs Bear as uh, potential third pair guys. Maybe one of them works their way into the top four. But does it concern? I know it's a one year deal, but does it concern you at all? We have seven and a half million dollars allocated this season in a flat cap year to potentially the third pair, if not the seventh defenseman and the sixth defenseman. Not ideal. It's not great. Yeah. I don't love it, but I mean, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, it's not great. You know, like, ideal. I mean, and, and this goes back to one of the reasons why they're shopping Shingas' bear, because he's down in the lineup. You know, and, and you asked earlier, you know, does this make it more likely that Gossip Bear is traded? And Kelly was like, well, they're obviously shopping him. It's a matter of getting something back for him. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it does make it more likely just because, you know, before. I always talk about adding variables to the equation. You know, one variable to trading Ghost was that if you were going to trade Ghost after the, the Niskanen retirement, you had to get somebody back. Now, whether that was in the trade, whether that was elsewhere, you needed another defenseman because the Flyers didn't have enough defensemen with NHL experience to fill out a depth chart. Well, now they do. And coincidentally, it's a guy who pretty much does the exact same shit Ghost does. So it is easier now to justify moving him it's not like the flyers you know are going to if they get a fair value offer um before it might have been like okay well before we do this deal we got to find another defenseman you know whether it's in that trade or somewhere else we got to find another defenseman now they don't have to find another defenseman now if if a if a if a gm calls fletcher tomorrow and is like hey we moved some things around i've I've always liked ghost we'll give you a third round pick for him fletcher can just be like done I don't need to do anything else. We've got our, our our sixth defenseman. We can just, you know, Mark Friedman's now the number seven to start the year. Like, there's no, there's no extra things he has to do. He can just hammer out a deal for Ghost and then, boom, be done with it. That said, he still has to hammer out a deal involving Ghost. And that's what is the, the extenuating factor here is that if no one is willing to take him for anything aside from, like, the Flyers paying someone to take him, I don't get the sense the Flyers want to do that, which is fair because it would be a disaster in the sense that Ghost is actually a pretty good player. And if you're paying a team to take him, like the only the, the only way you could justify paying a team to take Shane Goss' bear is if you do that and then immediately, like I'm talking like 30 minutes later, you mm. trade for Patrick Line or like you trade for a guy where it's like, oh, that's why they moved him for nothing because they have this other big thing they needed to do and they needed to clear space to do it. Kind of like the, the Nate Schmidt, Alex Petrangelo thing. Like if they would have just given away Nate Schmidt and not had Alex Petrangelo come in, it would have been like, why the hell did you give away Nate Schmidt? But if you do that to get an Alex Petrangelo, it's like, okay, that makes sense. That's the only way at this point, and I could be wrong, maybe the Flyers just say, screw it, we need to get rid of Ghost for what for reasons. But I get the sense that if the Flyers are going to do one of those, like, give him away for nothing type deals or pay to get rid of him type deals, it's going to be immediately followed by a trade for or a signing of someone who is going to move the needle some way. Remember how team-friendly that contract used to be? We were all like, yeah, ghost. Yeah. Team-friendly deal. Yeah. 
It, su- it, it sucks what what happened to him. It really know? does suck. It and really ho- does. Hopefully he can, you know, he can, uh, you know, revitalize his career, whether it's in Philly or somewhere else. All right, Charlie, you kind of answered the next question, but I'm going to ask it to both of you and add something. Uh, all right, so they bring in Gustafson, and they have Friedman. We know they have Braun. We know they have Haig. Uh, if they're just now to get trade Ghost for the sake of trading him and do nothing with that cap space that they acquire, uh, say they get that third or fourth round pick, whatever, and would you be okay with them taking that cap space, potentially banking it, heading into the season, and waiting to see what the roster actually shakes out to be, and then, you know, making trades in season to improve the team. Like, all right, do we have answers on Frost and Patrick yet? We do not. Do we have answers on what our blue line is supposed to be? We do not. Let's wait a couple of weeks Bank this cap space and see where it goes, and then we can go out and get anything because we have the cap space, and obviously we have the assets. Would that be a course of action you were okay with? It would be for me because to this point, I have no reason to not trust that Chuck Fletcher can put together a winning lineup with this team. So, for me, as someone who wanted to run it back anyway, like, if they lose a guy that was benched and then have a bunch of money that they can figure out what to do with later, like, that seems like a good situation to be in. I don't think they're going to do it, but it seems like a good situation to be in. I wouldn't have an issue with it. That said, you know, I do think that Ghost is a good player. So. I don't love the idea of just dumping him and not improving the team elsewhere, but I don't hate it. I, I think a lot of this just boils down to how much you trust Chuck Fletcher. You know, if you if you don't trust that at some point with that cap space that would be opened up by a ghost trade, that number one, he's gonna just do he's gonna do something. If you don't trust that he's actually gonna do something, then you don't want him to do that. Number two, if you if you trust he's gonna do something, but you don't trust that what he does is actually going to be good, then then you're probably in this in the thing of like if a ghost trade happens and nothing happens immediately after, you're through the roof mad. Okay. If you trust Fletcher, then you're like, no, I, I think that, you know, I can trust that the plan is to use that calf space at some point, whether that's, you know, by the end of the offseason, whether that's sometime during the season, whether that's the trade deadline. If you trust Fletcher, then it's fine. I mostly trust Fletcher. I think he's a pretty good GM. At least he's shown that to be true so far as in his time in, in Philly. So I wouldn't have a major problem with it, but I understand there are some people who don't, you know, who don't trust Chuck Fletcher and therefore would be annoyed if the Flyers just traded Ghost and then did nothing with the calf space in the short term. What the fuck is the point of Derek Pouliot? He's just just organizational depth. I mean, he's basically Andy Walensky. Just what we needed. Another Andy Walensky. I've been saying. You know what they say is you can never have enough Andy Walensky. I'm joking. I know, I know. It doesn't matter. It's just funny. (laughs) Like, this is the first guy they signed. It would be funny because he was – the story with Pouliot was that he was like a top 10 pick, either 10th or 11th, I think, by the Penguins way back. And he was a guy who just never panned out for them. So it would be kind of funny if, like, 
you know, somehow he ended up in the Flyers lineup and became good and we could hold that over Penguins fans. That'd be fun. That's always fun. Well, the fear is he ends up in the Flyers lineup and he is not actually good. Well, yeah, that would suck. But I will say the most encouraging thing to me about the Gustafson signing is the stylistically aggressive player that they clearly targeted. Like, I don't think it's a, yeah, let's go win. We got Eric Gustafson sort of aggressive move. But the fact that they targeted and signed a player of his style, given their reservations about Gostas Bear, is encouraging to me because it tells me they're valuing the right things. Yes, it's always nice to know that your, your team thinks goals are good. There have been times when this team has been coached by someone who thinks that goals are bad. So I'm glad that they think that someone that scores goals is good, especially since they scored like precisely zero of them in the entire playoffs. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break for an ad, and we will be back on the other side. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about where the hell this thing is going uh, in terms of the signings, the blue line, what they still have left to do. So uh, hang with us, and we'll be back on the other side of this break. All right, everybody, we are back, and it is time now to just take the temperature of the room. Uh, Flyers haven't done much. How do we feel about the overall patient approach? I know we've been dancing around this, and we want to remain level-headed, but, man, I just, I I said at the top, I'm glad they're not overreacting to how things went in the bubble, because as we saw through the course of the season, this is a pretty damn good team that, you know, had its troubles in the playoffs, but did win around for the first time since 2012, did show signs of improvement, does have a young franchise goaltender, does have some good veterans, has some young players still looking to take the next step. How do you just feel about, okay, we're just going to be patient and running it back? Kelly, I know how you feel, but break it down for us first. I mean, I just, all anyone could talk about with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again because people will get on my ass about it. The Flyers are not as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning. They aren't at all close to as good as that team on paper or on the ice. That said, the biggest lesson that everyone was spitting out at when they finally won their cup is that when they failed in the playoffs, they didn't blow the team up. They kept it together. They added pieces. They got better every year. They kept trying, and then they won their cup. I don't think that you can have a team that looked as good as the Flyers did in the regular season heading into something that no one could have seen coming. They come into the playoffs. They look good to start against teams that probably in hindsight weren't actually trying, which was kind of a joke at the time, but looking back on it, they probably weren't going as hard as they could have. And then they shit the bed in the playoffs. Is that good? No. Does it negate all of the good stuff that happened before it? Absolutely not. And so you don't blow that up. You don't need to. So go back to how you felt about this team in February. And it's the same team. Minus Matt Niskanen. So, you know, it's good. Like, we can feel good about it without having to blow it up. I know it's hard for us to be happy, but we, we can do it. One time. Am I next? 
Yes, Charlie. All right, I will take <laughs> I will take my stab at this uh, at this question. So, uh, my viewpoint is that the Flyers are a lot better, and this is basically kind of echoing what Kelly said. The Flyers are a lot better than the really frustrated people seem to want to believe because the. <sighs> I, I, I read the arguments I, get, I see from the people who are angry and who are like, why haven't the Flyers done something? And a lot of their arguments that they use, because the argument, like, the, the case on its surface makes sense to me. The idea that, you know, you've got Carter Hart and, and Sean Gattere on cheap deals. You want to take advantage of that. The idea that, you know, guys like Drew and Voracek aren't getting any younger and probably are going to, you know, over the next few years become progressively less and less good. I'm not saying they're not going to stay good. They're just not going to be as good as they are right now because that's what happens in your 30s. So I'm sympathetic to that. But a lot of the things that people are using as evidence as to why big things have to happen are in my mind bullshit like the big thing you hear is like well you can't win with this core because they choked in the playoffs again like I don't believe that past playoff performance is predictive of future playoff success so I don't care like I don't care that Claude Giroux sucked in the playoffs aside from the fact that it sucks that he sucked in the playoffs I don't think that means he's going to suck in the playoffs next year like I don't think the fact that Jake Voracek wasn't that great in the Islanders series means that he's not going to be that great in the next playoff series. So like that to me is not a reason to, to do something big. The idea that the Flyers desperately need a sniper. I don't think they desperately need a sniper. I think it'd be cool to have a sniper. I don't think it's like, like the Flyers are not going to win a cup unless they have a guy who scores 45 goals and does it in a way that I like. Like, <laughs> like it would be nice. It would be really cool to get a Patrick Line. But like, it's not organizational malpractice if you don't get a Patrick Line, because guess what? 30 teams in the NHL don't have a Patrick Line. Like 30 teams in the NHL, 29 teams for years before Vegas popped up, didn't have Alex Ovechkin. And they were fine. Like teams, you don't need a guy like that to win a cup. It's cool and it can help. Just like having good players with any style, it's cool and it can help. But you don't need it. And the idea that, like, if they don't get another goal scorer on the wing and if they don't make a big change in the core, then all the same shit's going to happen over and over again. I'm not sympathetic to that argument because I just think it's people who like to be angry and are still angry about the way the playoffs got done and never liked these guys anyway. And they're just using this as a way to kind of, like, further an argument they always wanted to make in the first place. So I'm sympathetic to the idea that the Flyers, ideally you want the Flyers to improve. Like it's not like other teams that were good aren't going out and making changes. Like Vegas was really good. They went out and they got Alex Petrangelo. Boston was good. They went out and they got Craig Smith. Um, so I'm sympathetic to that. That said, I guess I just don't feel the urgency to do all the stuff that it seems like a lot of people feel. And that's because the reasons why they're angry at the way the team is constructed, I'm not angry at those things because I think they're kind of overblown. I, like, I, do I think every team in the league can't win without a sniper? No. The way this team is set up with a Claude Giroux, a Jake Voracek, in, you know, hopefully a Patrick, a Frost... Kevin Hayes, a give-and-go player. Guys who love to pass the fucking puck. Travis Konechny all of a sudden doesn't like to shoot. Like, 
I would like for them to have somebody to pass to who has a reasonable chance of putting the puck in the net. It would be like, yeah, he doesn't shoot. He gets hit with the puck and it goes in. <laughs> I like JVR. I wish he would shoot more. They don't seem interested in putting him in the slot on the power play. I think that's where he should be. Now, like, in my head, it's because Patrick's in front and they didn't have Patrick all year, so that's impossible. But I just think, like, this team, and it doesn't have to be Patrick Line. It just has to be somebody who can shoot the fucking puck because they don't do it enough. But, like, do I think that's make or break to win the Stanley Cup? I do not. They don't have to go out and get Patrick Line. The thing I'll say is, I think this window stays open a, a while regardless of what they do because they have young players who are going to be pretty good. But right now, they have Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek plus young guys on deals that make the team competitive. We've seen throughout this whole time period we've been developing young players it takes longer than you think, and development is not an escalator. It is not steady. It is not a guarantee that Hart, Myers, Farabee, and Frost are all considerably better next year. It is as likely they, they're just as good, or they have an off year, a sophomore slump, if you will. Those things are all possible. Like, I just think you can improve the team and not kill the long term will you have to give up a couple of prospects yeah but i just think in the long term you're not killing yourself going out and making some moves that make the team better now when you can win with the players you have if you augment the roster a bit so here's here's kind of my question to you there because like the idea you mentioned like i think it would be good to go out and trade a couple of prospects for for pieces like in theory, that sounds great. That sounds like a cool idea. In reality, I don't know if that's realistic considering the cap situation, considering the fact that you don't want to necessarily go out and get a guy on a big contract who then is going to make it tough for you to sign Carter Hart back, who's going to make it tough for you to sign Travis Sanheim back, who's going to make it tough for you to keep these young players when they, they look for raises. So, you know... It's not just as simple as, well, the Flyers won't trade their prospects. I think the Flyers are more than willing to trade their prospects. It's just a matter of, it's hard. It, and it's not hard to make the trade, but it's hard to make the trade and not fuck up the plan. Now, if you think the plan is flawed and that guys like Travis Konechny and Oscar Lindblom and Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers, like, they aren't as good as we want to believe they are, then that's one thing. Because those are the guys that you're going to have to trade in order to get pieces, in order to get the types of flashy names you want. Now, I'm open to arguments that, like, for example, we talked about this last week about Patrick Laine. I'm open to an argument that, like, trading Travis Sanheim in a deal for Patrick Laine is actually the right thing to do because you have Cam York and Igor Zamula coming and you can deal with a weaker defense for a year or two knowing those guys are, are reinforcements. I'm open to those arguments. But it's not as simple as, like, well, why don't they just trade Cam York for a good player? Like, okay, they have to make sure the good player they're getting actually fits in their future cap situation. And that future cap situation is further complicated by the fact that the cap isn't going up for the next couple of years. So it's not just as simple as like, well, just send some pieces out and get a player. Like they don't want to fuck up the ability to keep all these good young players that they spent five years drafting and developing. Oh yeah. No, like, and there are like just a ton of extenuating circumstances. I just have, I have, 
confidence in the Flyers' front office to be able to figure these things out. Like, do I want you to go out and get a guy with nine years left on a fucking illegal contract from 15 years ago? No. Like, don't do that. Like, go get a guy with two, three years left and then figure it out from there. Like, I understand there's an expansion draft coming. I understand no one can answer the question, how many games are there going to be? What's revenue going to be like? When is the cap going up? I understand that those things are possible. I just think it's workable. Am I mad at the Flyers right now? No. I do think there's an opportunity to improve yourself somehow, though. And I'm not going to tell you how, because that's not my job. It's the fucking GM's job to put a cup contending team out there. I don't know if he's doing it, and I think there's an opportunity. I just think that every player that Flyers fans were screaming about getting... And, and as someone who has been complaining for the last, like, five years that talking about an expansion draft is stupid and we, we shouldn't do it, the fact of the matter is if they, had, if they had brought someone in for more than a year or two, one year? What, two what? year? No. Next two, summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Or whenever. So if they had brought someone in on a lengthy contract, which is what most of those guys got, because of course they did. It's free yeah. agency. Um. You have to then resign yourself to the fact that you're probably going to lose a player that you really like in the expansion draft. And is that a thing that you are okay with? If you are, okay, cool. Um, I'm not sure that I am willing to lose Sanheim or Lindblom or Myers for literally nothing. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So the idea that Fletcher is making moves with this in the back of his mind is good asset management. Like, there are ways to ensure that we don't lose good future pieces in this expansion draft. And it seems to me like he's trying to make that happen, and I'm not mad at that. And I don't think that it means that he's actively making the team now worse by doing that. That's Banking on the prospects turning out and running it back, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a bad plan. Like I don't, I, I worry about the timing. Like Charlie said, like Giroux and Voracek, it's not so much their playoff performances that worry me. It's just their age and yeah. the fact that okay, yes, we have two good, productive top six players. Are they making a little more than they should be right now? Yeah, probably. But like Giroux's contract is up after in two seasons, I believe, or something yeah, like yeah, that. He's, old... got, he's got two more years left. His yeah. contract expires the same year the Couturier's does. Yeah. So like, and all these things will even out. Like it's not, it's not the, their playoff performances. It's the fact that like, I don't see those two improving anytime soon. Like if you had to, if you had to put money on where their games are going to go in the next three years, it's not in a good direction. It's in a negative direction. So like, I, I just, the timing has always worried me about this plan. And, yeah, maybe they can go out and, like, trade for a Mark Stone and you know, sign an Alex Petrangelo when the time comes and, boom, problem solved. But those things are really difficult to do because Charlie keeps saying, oh, well, you know, 29 teams didn't ha have an Alex Ovechkin. 29 teams aren't going to be able to make those moves if the Flyers can. Awesome, but... I, I don't. The timing just worries me about this plan, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad plan. I just see a potential, uh, you know, opportunity to be good now and later. And I, uh, man, I just want this team to be so goddamn good. And I think they're so close. 
Like, I think there's so... That's what... I, that's where my frustration comes from. I'm not the angry fan who thinks they're stuck in mediocrity. I think they're so fucking close to being very good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. And I think the... You know, the thing is, is that really aside from the Niskanen thing, because I, I do believe that that's a, that's a hole that they know needs to be filled, whether it's filled by Eric Gustafson exceeding expectations, whether it's filled next summer, you know, or next fall or whenever the hell next offseason is going to be. I don't know. Um, I do believe they realize that, like, they need one more piece. You know, they need one more piece to fill out that, that long-term top four with Proveroff, Sanheim, and Myers. And I think at some point they're going to get it. Hopefully they get the right guy. But I think at some point they're going to get it. Looking at the rest of the roster, though, I mean, in truth, the big question, the big thing that really pushes this team to another level is a third-line center. Like, they need yeah. another center. And that problem really could solve itself. Like, it, we don't know if it's going to, but it really could. You know, Nolan Patrick, they seem optimistic he's going to play next year. Morgan Frost is damn close to being an NHL-caliber player. Like, this is a problem that... If, if one of those guys hits, where's your hole? Aside from what, <laughs> what, we, what we know is the Niskanen thing, which like, I, I am confident they will resolve at some point in the next 16 months. Where's the hole? I don't see a hole in this lineup. Like, that's, the, that, that's one of the things. Like, I've talked to people in, um, in, the, uh, you know, in the organization, the Flyers organization, and the one thing that really shocks them, because, like, they get it that, like, Niskanen needs to be replaced. They get it that the third-line center spot is a question mark, considering with, with Nolan Patrick and Frost and everything. They don't understand why people are obsessed with the idea of getting another winger, because they're like, can you count? <laughs> we, have, we have Claude Giroux, Travis Konechny, Oscar Lindblom, Jake Voracek, Joel Farabee, and James Van Riemsdyk. There's six spots in the top nine for scoring wingers and we have six scoring wingers like where is another guy gonna fit and i, mean, I and, and i get that yeah but also like can the coach count because the coach wasn't playing jvr you know like we can say he's a scoring winger but if he ain't scoring what the fuck is he I, I, I understand play. the half the fan base doesn't like him. I think he's a nice enough player, but like the coach doesn't. So that means there's five. I don't think that JVR is not going to be used next year. Like okay. I think he, I think he's going to be used. I think that the the big thing that hurt JVR, and again this goes back to again the three C problem, which is his best place in the lineup is on the third line yes. because you don't want him taking on tough minutes. The problem is, is that the Flyers didn't have a third-line center. So if you don't have a guy that can get him the puck, then it's like, well, shit, what does he do? If you can get a third-line center, then suddenly JVR is a perfectly useful player, albeit probably a little overpaid. But, like, even then, like, JVR was low-key pretty good last year. He was... One of the best the, the best players on the team by advanced metrics. He had surprisingly good everything else than goals. Yeah, he scored. He actually scored really well at 5-on-5. Five five. The one thing he didn't do was score yeah. on the power play. And, like, I have to believe that's a fluke because he's been a really good power play scorer for, like, every other season of his career. So I'm not that worried about JVR, truthfully. And I get with JVR, the problem is, is that a lot of people, as you said, just hate him. Because yeah. they hate his style of play. Like they've 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 hated him since he since 2010. 
Like, this is nothing new. People just don't like JVR. They've but, hated him since his name wasn't Patrick Kane. That's, that's, Let's be yeah, honest. Since that's they drafted him, it's true. That's completely fair. But JVR, and this is maybe a controversial statement, I actually think JVR is fully capable of providing $7 million worth of value as a third-line winger because he can be like one of the best third line wingers in hockey and be a ridiculously efficient scorer and drive play on the third line and supercharge that third line. Like you can say, man, it sucks to have a $7 million a year guy on the third line. And to a degree it does. But the point here is value added. If that's his best spot and he can be one of the most efficient third line wingers in the league, in theory, you can justify that value because goals are goals. Who cares whether you scored your goal against a third pairing in a fourth line or a first pairing in a first line the goal is still a goal so if you're if the best way to get value out of jbr is use him on that third line and just have him rack up the points then i'm cool with that and i think he's capable of doing that the thing is for him to do that i think the flyers need a viable third line and that's where you get back to the third line center problem that you're crossing your fingers and hoping to god that either nolan patrick can play or Morgan Frost is NHL ready and the Flyers deem him to be NHL ready. Because if that happens, I'm not concerned about JVR. On the on the JVR subject, I think we, like, I know I said when the Flyers signed him, if he's on your third line and your first power play unit, I have no problem with that. Like, I think that's good. It's good to win third line matchups. And the thing that was crazy about his season to me is all the chances he didn't score on. Like, a guy, like, and you mentioned, especially on the power play, like, the one thing you could count on throughout JVR's career, oh, he's going to put the puck in the net on the power play. Nope. He did everything else. Like, look at his assist total. Pretty good. Like, look at his even strength goal total. Pretty good. Look at his play driving numbers. Pretty good. The puck just was not... How many times did he try that fucking move down low on the power play that he scores like three times a year on, and just none of them would go in. Just none of them would go in. It was, uh, like, you gotta believe that comes back, and if you believe in the magic of numbers like I do, well, it's gonna double, you know, because he's gotta make up for all (laughs) last year's. Like Brad Lidge with the blown saves in 09. He had to make up for two years where the blown saves in one year. Boom. So it's gotta be positive regression. Uh, I I think it's possible. I just, like... The coach wasn't using him in the playoffs, and that worries me. Well, there were That's a few coaching fair. decisions in the playoffs that well, if, you, if you think too hard, you're going to be worried. But I choose not to think too hard about anything. If you guys had to put money <laughs> on it, who's the 3C on ga- uh, for game one? For game one. Game one, whenever the fuck the season starts, they're saying January 1st, like Steph said, I'm still less than confident about that, but who knows? There's fans in the stands for football, so by January 1st, poof, COVID could be a hoax. Scott Lawton. (laughs) God, that's a really good question. Um, You know what? Screw it. I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to say Nolan Nolan Patrick. Oh, look at this. We don't even need Steph Driver. We got Charlie. Steph Driver somehow hacked the chat, (laughs) even though she's not here, and took over Charlie. I, I the fly, the no Flyers option. seem optimistic. They really yeah. do. And like I you know, yeah, it's a weird situation, but like they 
the fact that they haven't prioritized getting a center this offseason, aside from going after Miku Koivu, which, like, that was a no-brainer because it's Fletcher, it's Mike Gill. Of course, they were going to try to get Miku Koivu if he was out there. But the fact that the Flyers haven't went out and been like, we need to get a center, a stopgap center, we need to prioritize that. You know, everything I've heard implies that they think Patrick will play next year. Everything they're doing implies that they think that Patrick will play next year. Like, at some point, you just got to kind of, you know, listen to what people are saying. And it seems like they think Patrick's going to play next year. So I'm not, maybe. I'm not saying he's not going to play. He very well could, and he could end up being Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. The guy we drafted at two overall that, you know, the bar was chanting his name. We were going fucking nuts. That could all be possible and awesome. Damn. We'd be cup contenders if that happened. My thing is, like, he has played so little hockey since his draft year. Like, he, he's hurt. Well, I, well I, don't, I don't really agree with that because... He played 33 games the year he got drafted. He played 73 as a rookie, 72, and then none. Like, he's yeah, but, played yeah, but so little hockey. That's not that, that's not that little until this past season. Like, you're saying he, he played 72 games. What did you say? He said 73 and 72. 73-72. So that means that, like, both those years he missed fewer than – he missed 10, 10 games or fewer. Like, the problem is this past year. He missed the entire season. That sucks. It's a wash. He hasn't played hockey in a while. That's an issue. But going all the way back to his draft year, like, really – since being drafted, before all this migraine stuff, his first two years, the injuries weren't a major issue. He but he was a lot. He they were an issue. He was on the ice, good. but was he developing or fighting through injuries? I mean, I don't know. I'm not Nolan Patrick. I can't put my, my myself in his body. I don't know how he was feeling. Nah, you you watched him? Yeah, he wasn't great for long stretches during the two seasons. He was clearly hampered and fighting his way back into shape, fighting through not injuries, but being hurt and dealing with, I just like, where is he? The the first half of his rookie year, I agree. First half of his rookie year, he clearly was dealing with coming back from that injury. You know, missing all that time. The second half of his rookie year, he played very well. That was probably the best we've seen of Nolan Patrick. And then his sophomore year, he was off and on. You know, he'd have some good games. He'd have some bad games, but like, I'm not willing to say that second year was because he was hurt. That might have just been because, like, young players go through growing pains. And the second just, year, prob- I, I, I look at the second year as just growing pains. And it very well could be. I'm just saying, like, from the year he was drafted up until today, has he had the opportunity to develop, like, a third-year NHL player? I would say absolutely not. So counting on him to be the 3C on a very good team... I'm just not optimistic that that's possible, not even because he's not good enough and he's not going to develop into being able to be good enough. I don't think he's played enough hockey to be there, and he hasn't played enough hockey at his full strength to even know what his strengths are at this level. Like, there's just so many variables with him. I don't think he's played enough to develop into the player we want him to be yet. See, I just, I I think you're throwing out a lot of things there that don't have any evidence to be thrown out like you can't just toss aside the first two years where he played pretty much the whole season like you can't those years happen that was development that was him learning how to play in the NHL and that was him not missing extended times due to injury now if you want to argue which I think is a viable argument that the guy hasn't played hockey 
competitive hockey since March of 2019, and this next season is going to probably start in January of 2021, that's a legitimate concern. But I don't think you can say that, you know, he didn't have time to develop. He had two years in the NHL to develop. It's going to take him some time probably to get back used to playing hockey, I'm sure. But, like, I'm not going to say that, you know, his two full seasons in the NHL should just be thrown out the window. They happened, and they were important. I don't think they should be thrown out the window. I just believe he was fighting through a lot of different things in that time. And while he could have been improving his game, he was trying to get by. That's what it looked like to me. Eh, see, I, I think you're I, – I don't, I don't agree with that. But, like, again, we're, we're spitballing. I just – I don't think there's – aside from that first half of his rookie year, I don't think that was a guy trying to get by. I think that was a guy trying to get better. It's just that, as you said earlier, development isn't linear. Was he trying? What? Was he trying? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that he was trying. I think he was playing hockey. I mean, he definitely was playing hockey. He was for sure playing hockey. I don't know that he was um, actively trying to get better. I, have a th- I don't like him. <laughs> I have a theory about Nolan. I, I don't doubt <laughs> I don't. I don't think that he's like a try-hard guy. I don't think that he goes out there and is like, I'm going to work as hard as I need to to be the best on the ice. I think he just thinks, I'm this good. I'm just going to do hockey, and it'll be fine. Like, I don't, I don't see a lot of try-hard in that kid. I don't, like, I mean, working through what he's working through, I don't doubt that he tries hard. I just wonder if, like, everything he's been working at I, 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 like, has been going towards improving his game rather than keeping himself healthy so that he can eventually improve his game. That's fair. I don't he, know. His, like Charlie said, we can yeah. go back and forth on this. There are no fucking answers till we see the guy play again, which we haven't in over a year, you know? There are no answers to this question. We can answer the questions. Who did the Flyers draft, though? Uh, let's let's wrap up the draft real quick. It's not like the draft matters anymore. I don't give a shit until these guys make the NHL. I'm over the draft. That was a fun little period in Flyers hockey, but let's get back to the winning. But the draft did happen, so let's talk about it for a, for a few minutes here. Uh, first round, Tyson Forster. It looks like Forrester, but it is not. Uh, it is Forster. Uh, center wing from the OHL had real big numbers, 36 goals, 80 points in 62 games. And he's a shooting guy. He's a guy who can shoot. If you watched his YouTube videos like I certainly did, uh, they drafted a guy who can beat a goalie with a shot, which is um, encouraging. How do we feel about this character, Tyson Forster? He seems pretty good. I don't know a lot about him, but, you know, yeah. now that we've learned about him, he seems pretty good. So we'll see what happens. You never know. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they prioritize a, sh- a shoot first guy. Uh, I really do like that about the pick. Um, I like the production. Uh, I like basically everything about him except the skating. And you're just hoping that he fixes the skating. You're hoping that this is a, uh, you're hoping this is a comparable to Oscar Lindblom in terms of how he progressively got better at skating over you know a two three year period and eventually became a really good player. And you're hoping it's not another Matthew Strom where he's just incapable of fixing what's wrong with his skating stride and you know it's just never going to get to be good enough for him probably to be an NHL player. It's a risk, but every other part of his game is there, 
and he fills a legitimate organizational need in terms of having a guy who, number one, wants to shoot the puck, and number two, has an absolute rocket of a shot when he does. So to me, this is an exciting pick. You know, we'll see if it plays out, but I like the pick. I, you know, were there other guys who, you know, who were there that were also guys I would have liked? Yeah, like I liked Connor Zary. Jacob Perot is interesting. Maverick Bork is a, a playmaker type who I think is higher upside than a lot of people maybe gave him credit for. I can't for. believe they passed on Maverick Bork personally, just because like, Bork. God damn it. It's a great Perfect. name. It's so good. But, but, I mean, I've said on multiple occasions that I didn't have the time this year to really dive into prospects the way I usually do, uh, the draft prospects. So I, I like the thought process behind the Tyson Forrester pick. Hopefully it works out. The Flyers have fixed skating problems before, so. I mean, they have, but then they also haven't. It depends Fair. on the player. Some guys you can fix, some guys you can't. Hopefully this is a guy they can fix. Any day now, Matt Strom is going to be able to skate. I'm still not giving up on Matt Strom. <laughs> I, not until not until he retires will I give up on him. I respect that a lot. He's going to be over in the KHL potting 45 goals a year. <laughs> Probably more like Germany, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> second round, email Andre, defenseman from Sweden. Uh, I, I, I just... Fuck it, man. Yeah, a little guy who scores over in Sweden. I'm all about it from the blue line. Yeah, Alex Appleyard loved this pick. Yeah, that's the only thing I know about him is he liked him, so it must be good. (laughs) Yeah, Appleyard has been talking this guy up for months, you know, about how he didn't understand why Emil Andre wasn't viewed as a slam dunk first round pick. Five nine. And how good he's going to be. Well, yeah, that's the reason. But, uh, but, and also the fact that, like, while he's not, he's a good skater, but there's definitely a feeling in the scouting community that if you're that small, you have to be a fantastic skater, and he's not a fantastic skater. So it was the combination of those two things, I think, really hurt him. Um, but I tend to just, I tend to trust Appleyard because, you know, this is a guy who, you know, follows the Swedish leagues extremely closely, has watched a lot of them, and he's sold. So, you know, to me, that that's enough. And obviously the Flyers like him. They liked him enough to take him in the, in the second round. It's, it's an upside play. I, I like the fact that they're, they're drafting for upside. They're drafting for puck skills. And again, hopefully it works out. The, uh, I don't, uh, oh, okay, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like the headliner simply because Wayne Simmons said so. And that's how we do things around here. You know, that's the bottom line because Wayne Simmons said so. Uh, Zade Wisdom, uh, winger from the OHL. 59 points, uh, 29 of them goals in 62 games last year. Already signed his ELC. He says more than 90% of his game is work ethic and perseverance. This Hello, sounds like our Flyers. kind of guy, no? Seriously. like That is like the best thing you could say to a Flyers fan. All I do is work hard. Like That's <laughs> all it takes and people are falling. But he does seem like, just like on a personal level, like a great kid. So it's kind of nice that... Someone who's been working his whole life to make money for his mom. I'm glad the Flyers are giving him a whole bunch of money. Makes me happy. Yeah, there were some people, I think, you know, and part of this was just the, the way that he was presented, you know, this, this character guy, you know, this, this guy who works really, really hard. I think some people saw that and were like, oh, God, is this another, you know, we drafted a fourth liner because of intangibles. But, you know, 59 points in 62 games ain't bad. Especially in the fourth round, you're getting a guy who is nearly a point per game player, you know, in in a, a Canadian major junior hockey league. Like this isn't Tyrell Goldborn. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a guy who has some puck skills. This is a guy who, you know, is he 
destined to be a top liner? No, I don't think that's his upside. But like, if you told me that he's, you know, he eventually becomes a really good third liner that can play on your second line, it wouldn't shock me. You know, that that's that seems to me to be like a possible outcome. Um, he played in a line with Shane Wright, who is. Uh, He's basically like one of the next phenoms. You know, he's going to be a guy who everybody knows, just like everybody knew Alex Lafreniere, everybody knew Nolan Patrick, everybody knew, you know, Nathan McKinnon. Everybody's going to know this guy. He was on his line. And, like, obviously, you know, Wright's the better player, without a doubt. But, you know, Wisdom complimented him really well. You know, helped him out, you know, did little things to, you know, get the puck moving in the right direction and then set up goals and scored goals, you know, involved with, with, with that great prospect. So, you know, maybe, maybe wisdom becomes like that complimentary guy on a line. You know, he's not the, the most skilled guy on the second line, but he could still chip in with, you know, 35 points over the course of the year and help push the play in the right direction. That, that I think is the, uh, you know, the upside for him. And as a fourth round pick, that's fine. Like, that's the, oh, my God, did we just draft a fourth liner? If you get an NHL player of any type in the fourth round, that's an awesome pick. Like, should it be Tyrell Goldborn or Zach Ronaldo? No, because they sh- probably shouldn't be in the NHL. But if you get a competent NHLer, that's a good pick. Outside of the first round, if the guy makes the NHL, way to go. You did a great job. Definitely. What does it mean that he already signed his ELC? Um, I think it's two things. Uh, number one, the Flyers had him graded as a second round pick. So I think it's just a matter of they like him and they were going to sign him anyway. So why not sign him now? Number two, I wouldn't be surprised if the financial aspect plays into this. You know, I mean, I, I would assume there was probably a signing bonus involved, which means you get that money now. And I mean, the Flyers know his situation. They, they know, you know, his family situation. And, you know, if you, if you believe in the guy, if, if you think he's legit, why not give him some cash now? I love that. I love that. Sometimes the Flyers are good, like organizationally. I feel like they do this kind of stuff. All right, we're like at an hour 15 or something. Yeah, let's so just, let's just nah, keep going. Time isn't we, real. Keep we got going. two more picks. Let's just keep going. All right. Uh, do we have any, like, uh, uh, Elliot... I'm Desnoyer. Uh, I don't know. What's this guy's name? Uh, oh, uh, Desnoyer. Desnoyer. Jesus Christ. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got married last week, fam. Don't <laughs> don't hold this against me. Uh, fifth round pick, 35 points in 61 games. Charlie says he was buried on a stacked Moncton lineup in his draft year. Uh, what do we know about the Flyers' fifth round pick? Absolutely nothing. Charlie. You got it. Um, so, yeah, he, he was on a really good team last year, so he played on, like, the third, fourth line, didn't get a lot of points. The Flyers basically are just hoping that, you know, he's on a new team now. He's on Halifax. He's playing on their first line. He's actually their first line center so far. And they're just hoping that this is a guy who, you know, this year scores 70, 80 points. And then teams are like, hey, you know, maybe we should have taken him in the third or fourth round rather than let him slip to the fifth. Um you know, he's a, he's kind of, you know, Kelly, you said it, he's kind of a tryhard, you know, he's mm. su- super high effort, you know, defensive player, you know, he's the kind of guy where like, you know, if he can stick at center, you could plausibly see him being like some type of like shutdown bottom six type center because he's relentless, you know, he really, he, he really attacks opposing players when he doesn't have the puck. He's always trying to get the puck. He's a puck hound. And they see some offensive skill there that maybe didn't show up last year because he was so far down the lineup. Is it there? We'll see. 
Um, but, uh, you know, we'll find out this year. So far, he's got four points in his first four games with Halifax, so he's scoring more so far. We'll see if it keeps up. Go Moose. Go Moose. <laughs> and in the sixth round, uh, Connor McClellan from the WHL. Uh, 21 goals, 49 points in 42 games. Decent numbers. Uh, played with 2019 first-round pick Peyton Krebs, which is just a, a fun name. Wonderful name. Great, great uh, name. <laughs> he's 5'8", which Charlie says is why he slipped. Is it surprising to you the Flyers went with some little guys? I like it. I mean, God, learn a friggin' lesson. Like, sometimes the little players that can score goals are going to be good. You don't have to be a giant monster man to be a good NHL player. So I like that they are taking some gambles on small guys. Finally. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Um, the, uh, you know, this is a guy who... You know, I, I like him. I like the skill set. I like the process behind the pick. That said, guys like this that slip to the sixth round, there's generally a reason. So I'm not exactly, like, expecting him to be a stud. But if everything breaks for him, I mean, he's a guy who maybe could be a, a, a top six forward. And to get a guy who, even if it's a, you know, a 5% chance he could be a top six forward, even if it's just that, like, usually those guys aren't available in the sixth round. So take take a swing. Why not? Why not? It's a sixth round. Give yeah, I mean, in the sixth round, you're throwing darts. You have to just mm-hmm. trust your scouts. Look for a skill set you like. Look for characteristics and hope you can develop them. And the guys, you know, work to develop themselves before they make it to your organization. So, like, yeah, throw the dart. If you believe in the scout, absolutely. Why not? Uh, do we have anything else? Um... I don't know. What didn't we so. talk about? I, I, I think we're good. I mean, talk the draft. We talk the off season, and we'll have lots more weeks to break down the off season. So, so many weeks. Oh yeah, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna have to be doing like music shows and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone watch Cobra Kai? Fucking amazing. I've heard it's good. People have been talking I, I about have, it. I, I am blown away it, by how good this stupid show is. I do not seem to be the target audience for this show, so I have not watched it. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah, no, we don't have anything else. That's about all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us. Say nice things. It is much appreciated. Uh, That's it. So for Kelly and Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!